This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 9.20 a.m. You're listening to The Morning Run with Shazana Shaoning and Keith. Well, let's <laughs> get a quick update on the FBMKLCI uh, at 9.20 this morning. Okay, the index is going nowhere. It is currently down by 0.08% to 1,489 points as we speak. Rest of the region somewhat mixed with only Nikkei 225 and the Korean market showing some positive green. Okay, well, let's turn our attention to the ASEAN region. Because in 2023, global monetary tightening and the strong US dollar really stood out for the year. And these factors did cause major headwinds and headaches for most emerging markets, including that in ASEAN. Uh, that's it. Analysts have been positive on the evaluation in ASEAN. Data from Bloomberg last month showed that the regional index is trading at 12.9 times price to forward uh, forward earnings, below its five-year average of 14.9 times and with potential rate cuts on the horizon and better earning prospects amid persistent headwinds from the uncertain global landscape. What are the pos- pockets of growth and opportunities in the region as we head further into 2024? For some thoughts on this, we have on the line with us Andrew San, head of ASEAN Equities at Amundi Malaysia. Andrew, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. So looking ahead in 2024 in terms of how ASEAN markets will do, do you think the last year's laggards, uh, namely Thailand and Malaysia, have the conditions to outperform in 2024? We're already seeing the FBM KLCI trading at a 2% year to date uh, in the first couple of weeks of the year. Good morning and um, happy 2024. So when we look at the drivers of negative sentiments with these two markets last year, we saw key commonalities in the form of domestic politics and China. In Thailand's case, elections last year didn't go as smoothly as planned. Meanwhile, Chinese tourists didn't return as strongly as most had anticipated either. Similarly, in Malaysia, we saw political uncertainties persist post-G15, while any meaningful rebound in activities from our largest trading partner didn't materialize. Now, for these two markets to outperform this year, this year, we would need to see such headwinds being resolved. And based on this, I'm much more bullish on Malaysia than Thailand in potentially outperforming this year. For Thailand, we're not seeing signs yet of a meaningful turnaround on these two fronts. In addition, we are cautious on the country's economic outlook for this year as we've penciled Thailand to have the slowest GDP growth across the key ASEAN countries due to domestic consumption concerns. And at the same time, market valuations still remain unattractive despite last year's lackluster performance. For Malaysia, though, we, like you said, we've experienced a mini bull run of late. And although we haven't seen meaningful improvements from China's economy yet, we have seen market sentiments become very positive recently, given the shift in focus on the political narrative. And this has resulted in strong gains on anything to do with Johor, for example. So while I'm skeptical on the sustainability of these politically related uh, themes, um, it does show how sentiment from positive political narratives can drive gains in our market. And this applies to if, say, going forward, any political uncertainty is removed regarding the governance of the day. Economically, uh, we expect growth to be more robust in Thailand, and this would filter through to the general operating performance of our local co- local companies as well. 
Andrew, uh, specifically, when you talk about the political uncertainty in Malaysia that makes people nervous, what in what specifics are do you reckon uh, investors are looking at? Because I mean, uh, the attractiveness of Malaysia's market also uh, does come from the fact that our ringgit is ex- also extremely weak. Doesn't that uh, account for something as well? So when you talk to foreign fund managers and foreign investors, these two things uh, that you've touched on are, are the key the key issues there. So first off, on, on the political side of things, ever since, since G14, we've lost that uh, so-called political stability after basically BN lost the lost lost the government. And so the question since then has always been with the change in government since G14, will it be stable or not? And as we've seen over the past, what, at least six, seven years, mm. that hasn't been the case yet. But but Andrew, uh, going beyond that, what does, uh, does the attractiveness of the weak ringgit uh, play into how um, investors decide to come into Malaysia? Actually, it works the other way oh. because what uh, foreign fund managers look at is actually how the ringgit moves. So, mm. if it's weakening, it's not really a um, it's not really an opportunity, but mm. a, a, a threat because uh, the fear is that it may weaken more. So, it's more the uh, the movements rather than the level of uh, of the ringgit that, uh, that that they look at. And remember, the the reality for foreign fund managers is that um, for Malaysia, it's not a core market. It's not a court market for them. So for them, they see Malaysia as a bit of a pickup in, in, mm. in, in performance, but a very short-term pickup for them. Okay, but yeah. nonetheless, what are some of the themes that we should consider for ASEAN in 2024 that could be game changers like AI wars in 2023? Mm. So when you look at themes in the ASEAN context, uh, we tend to focus on sustainable multi-year themes. And what provides... ASEAN companies are medium to long-term attraction by way of themes is more macro and geopolitical in nature rather than anything industry specific like your AI plays and whatnot. So traditionally, domestic natural resources and demographics has been an attraction for ASEAN companies. But now you add to this the China plus one theme. Then what we see is companies across various sectors um, catering to not just the domestic demand story, but now they're pivoting to be global or regional champions on the back of US-China tensions. So now I would caution that the nature of this theme is very gradual in its development. So it may not capture the imagination of uh, short-term investors, but the in the ASEAN context, it is very difficult to find a more powerful or far-reaching theme as the China plus one pivot mm. within the companies. And, and it does meaningfully translate to real dollars and cents that's being generated sustainably over time. So looking into 2024, we won't just see a continuation of this theme, but perhaps an acceleration of it as well, uh, because heightened geopolitical risk would likely see an escalation of US-China tensions, which would only make these ASEAN companies even more relevant. Mm. Maybe we can end the conversation um, with the question of the key risks that we should be considering. You mentioned one of that, U.S.-China tensions. What else should we keep in mind as we look to the year ahead? So U.S.-China tensions is one of many things uh, that I lump under um, the key risk, which is basically geopolitics. Uh, and, and that is the, the, the by far the, 
the, the most important risk that I'm looking uh, at this year. Mm. So the nature of this risk, I mean, traditionally, uh, it's not been priced in well by the markets, uh, given the volatile nature of these events and the open-ended consequences that derive from these risks. So case in point, you've got the conflict in the Middle East, and that has devolved to supply chain disruptions due to attacks on ships in the, in the Red Sea. Now, would this lead to inflation picking up again? And how would the Fed respond after their supposed pivot back in December if that happens? Yeah, these are the questions that mm. that, that that I ask myself um, um, nowadays. Mm. So zooming into the geopolitical risk, it's not just about the conflicts in the Middle East and Ukraine. Uh, it's not just about U.S.-China tensions. And and in all these three factors, um, and I'm only looking at, you know, just just mentioning these three factors alone. And there's a lot of others. They, they haven't de-escalated yet. Right. And there's no signs of it. But what the the other important thing is that we're also going to uh, a year where there's an unprecedented number of elections around the world. Mm. In Asia, we just had Taiwan, which thankfully went by smoothly. But next month, we'll see Indonesia. And let's not forget Sri Lanka and Pakistan as well. All right, Andrew, we're going to have to cut you off there. But thank you so much for speaking to us. That was Andrew San, head of ASEAN Equities at Amundi Malaysia, commenting on the outlook for ASEAN Equities in 2024. 9.30 a.m., we're heading into the news bulletin. And after that, we have Ringgit and Sense on how to invest in 2024. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.